Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a fun episode with Brandon Evans, the head of research for GoHunt.com Insider. And today we're going to be talking about Nevada. And we're going to be talking about the big game application and draw process in Nevada. Not only that, we're going to break down the units for deer, for elk, for desert bighorn sheep, for California bighorn. Talk a little bit about antelope. We're going to go through the units, some of the best units, some of the mid-tier units, so it's going to be a fun episode. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider. I want to remind you guys, if you want to sign up for Insider, use the J. Scott promo code, and you're going to get a $50 Kuyu gift card just for signing up. I also want to thank Jason Harrison and his crew at Kuyu.com. I want to thank Cody Nelson over at the Outdoorsman's The Optics Authority. Remind you that you can use the J. Scott promo code over there at the Outdoorsman's and get a 10% discount. Also, Phonescope.com, use the J. Scott promo, excuse me, J. Scott 16 promo code, and uh, you're going to get a 10% discount there. Uh, Phonescope makes digiscoping a, a devices where you can take any phone and be able to uh, put it, basically adapt it to any uh, uh, optic spotting scope or binocular and be taking videos and photos right away. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, uh, just unbelievable loyal support from you guys. And, uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible without you. So, uh, thank you so much for that. And if you want to send me an email, which I would encourage you to do so, uh, you can at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can follow along our adventures on Instagram at J. Scott Outdoors, my associate Dar Colburn at Dar Colburn, Facebook J. Scott Outdoors, my website jscottoutdoors.com. Uh, guys, let's get right to this episode with Brandon Evans. Guys, I wanted to tell you about the Kuyu World Tour where you can get to see the complete Kuyu product line and you can try everything on all sizes and place orders. You can talk with product consultants that can answer any questions that you might have. They're going to be making a big tour across the United States. They're going to be starting May 20th, 2017 in Dixon, California at the Kuyu World Headquarters at their garage sale. They're going to be going through Oregon, Washington, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Utah, back through Nevada, Arizona, and then finishing California, both in San Diego, Los Angeles, and then Reno, Nevada in November. You can go to kuyu.com forward slash world tour and find out where a city is nearby you. And it's going to be an awesome experience. They're going to have uh, special guests, expert clinics, special deals and discounts. Uh, the the uh, 2017 Kuyu Film Fest winners uh, will be there at some of the uh, some of the different stops, and make sure to use the hashtag Kuyu World Tour uh, for your photos on Instagram. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a special episode with Brandon Evans, who's the head of research at GoHunt.com. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here, Jay. Yeah, today we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about Nevada, and we've got a deadline coming up, I believe, of April 17th. And 
you were telling me that the online application closes 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on April 17th. So uh, we've got about 10 days uh, to go here in the application process for big game hunting in Nevada. And in today's episode, I basically want to break down uh, how the draw works uh, in Nevada, how the application process works, and then go through you know, deer and elk and, and sheep and, and uh, talk about some of the new things, any, any changes to the application or the regulations this year, and basically uh, get comprehensive on uh, Nevada and how to apply uh, for those listeners out there that maybe haven't applied or even for those listeners that have but uh, you know need a refresher course on how everything works. So it's great to have you. Uh, first question would be, uh, Brandon, you're the head of research at GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, what does that mean? Really, I'm I'm over everything that, that goes into the Insider product here at GoHunt. So whether it be, you know, just maintaining the site and maintaining all the profiles or researching new opportunities, new states, uh, new enhancements that we've got planned. I'm, I'm kind of the lead over that. Uh, I've got a great team of people here that, that help me with it. Uh, I really, I feel like I'm, I'm just one of the team members here, but yeah, I kind of control everything, everything insider, you know, um, the mean potatoes of, of what we are. So, and Brandon, for those uh, listeners out there that aren't familiar with GoHunt.com, which, by the way, is the title sponsor of my podcast, Lorenzo, and and the team out there, you guys do a phenomenal job. But um, if you, if you will if you will um, maybe talk about GoHunt.com, talk about GoHunt.com Insider, and how the Insider is, in my mind, it's different than the other resources out there and how in your mind do you see as, as a you know a, a, an integral part of the insider how do you see it being different for the user uh and, and kind of go into that please really how we're different you know we're, we're basically different than everything else out there uh, we wanted to focus more on allowing people to pick what they want to get out of their hunting research you know i we're so diverse when it comes to hunters. I, I want to hunt a particular, you know, animal or I want to hunt a particular terrain. Um, you know, I may not be after the, the best trophy producing units in each state. I may just want to have a good time and hunt my style of hunting, you know, hunt with a bow and arrow hunt, you know, alpine type country, uh, or, you know, hunt bugling bulls in the rut every year. I don't need to kill that 400 inch bull. And so what we've done with insider is really focused on a way to provide everybody to plug in what they want to get out and have it provide those results. And so, for example, you know, a guy that that wants to hunt deer in Nevada, you know, he doesn't want to wait 15 or 20 years. He can plug in different criteria. You know, he can plug in a trophy potential of a deer that he would be happy with, say, you know, 160 type buck. He could say, I'm willing to hunt with any, I'm willing to hunt with any weapon, um, you know, enter in the number of points that he's going to have. Say he has four points, five points. He can slide a draw odds percentage. We have, that's one unique thing with, with our Nevada draw odds. We include everyone's uh, first through fifth choice, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you you know, we have, we have accurate draw odds. So he could find hunts that he could draw 
every three or four years and hunt the state of Nevada. And, and he can do that for all those states that we cover. So you, it really, it really helps people understand how much opportunity there really is in the West to hunt. You know, it's, it's not that you have to wait two decades to draw an elk tag, uh, in, in these certain states. You can, there's a ton of opportunity that you can just get out there and hunt. So, so what I hear you saying is it's, it's opportunity. That's not to say at all that, that, you guys that work at the insider or for your own personal uses of the insider that certainly you're not uh ruling out units that have huge trophy potential and what have you but what you're saying is there there's uh the the insider is a perfect tool to basically research all types of hunts not only the top four or five best units in the state but maybe some of the middle tier even lower tier units where maybe opportunity is more of a premium than than trophy quality uh but from what i hear you saying uh, and, and I see it in my own research on Insider. You can find some of those hidden gems that maybe are slide under the radar, but actually have incredible trophy potential. And, and for me, that's where I see the true value is you're you're basically the Insider is for uh, people that really want to dig deep and and dig deep and 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 you know really research the different units and odds and statistics and and harvest data and and what have you. But it's also for the guy that just wants to look at a couple things, you know, and be on for five minutes and go, okay, boom, boom, boom. This, these are my uh, filters, and you know, I want 180 plus bucks. So none of the 180 and under, you know, type units even come up. So I mean, it's it's kind of a place for everything, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, you know, it, it shows opportunity. But on the, on the flip side, a lot of us here in the office talk about having a, a multi-state strategy and a multi-year strategy encompassing those states. And so, for instance, Nevada is one of those that in my strategy, I'm going to hunt trophy deer or I'm going to hunt trophy bulls in Nevada when I draw that permit. And so I don't plan on on having a deer permit in Nevada every few years. It's one of those that in my particular strategy, I've structured it so I get it about every seven to ten years. But when I do, it is absolutely a trophy unit, you know. And so... Nevada to me is one of those states. Colorado on the flip side, I can find those, like you were mentioning, the hidden gym units. I can go hunt, you know, an, an archery hunt or a third season hunt every other year or every year and hunt that 180 plus buck. And so depending on the state and, and the more you play around with it, the more you can find that, you know, if when you start putting that strategy together, you can hunt, you can find the opportunity and find the trophy class and, and have, you know, all of that together combined in, in, to one strategy and it really it, it it makes for a fun a fun hunting season every year it kind of stresses my wife out we were it's funny we were just talking about that and i've got five hunts already planned for this year and three of the five are over the counter hunts that i feel will produce you know some some great great trophy potential as well so it really does let you let you play with with anything that you want to get out of it for sure um let's talk about nevada uh first uh for the for the people listening that maybe don't even know how the Nevada draw works, maybe they've never applied, um, kind of walk us through from a point A to point B uh, standpoint of how the application and draw and, and hunting in Nevada works. Okay, so the, the draw process is, is fairly simple, uh, especially if you if you use the online line form. It's just huntnevada.com. Uh, it, it really is a, a seamless process. They walk you through you know, how to apply online for each of the species. One thing I will throw out there, if you're a first-time applicant for Nevada, 
you do need to register or submit proof of hunter education uh, if you were born after January 1st, 1960. So, and you need to do that seven days prior to the draw. So if you're a first-time applicant for Nevada, and there's a little there's a little uh, icon on Hunt Nevada that allow you to do that, and it gives you the, the address or web page that you can submit it. Uh, but get that done before, because you don't want to wait to the last day or you'll be ineligible to apply. Uh, but once you, you have that submitted, um, the application is, is fairly simple. You get five choices for each species. Um, and, and in the draw process, they consider all five choices before going to the next application. Um, the details of the draw, you really need um, to figure out if, if you're going to build points in the state of Nevada or not. Uh, in my opinion, it's it's worthwhile to build points. Uh, to, to build points, you have to purchase the uh, non-refundable hunting license. It's $142 a year. Uh, and then after that, it's relatively cheap to build points for each species. It's only $10 uh, for each species except for elk that is $15. Uh, but in my opinion, you know, it, the way that their draw process is set up with a, a true bonus point system and they square your bonus point. So each year you're unsuccessful in the draw, you gain a bonus point. Uh, then from there on out, each of those bonus points gets squared. So say for deer, you had three bonus points going into the draw it would be three times three is nine plus that year's application is 10 tickets in the barrel, if you will. And so it's, in my opinion... It's a great state to build points in. They reward you for applying. It does cost you that non-refundable hunting license, but you know you're talking. You can apply for three or four species for under two hundred dollars uh, and build points that will pay off in the long run. So it's it's a great system to build points. Um, One question I would have, Brandon, is it sounds a little different than say Arizona or Colorado, where Colorado just looks at your first choice. Um, and then, you know, uh, Arizona, they look at your first two choices. What I heard you say is Nevada actually, if, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it means if your number comes up and it's your, you're in the queue, so to speak, you, it's your turn, they're going to look at all five choices instead of just looking at your first two and then it goes back in another draw like Arizona. If, what I hear you saying is if, if, if you get picked, you, they look at all five choices, and if though if there's any one of those choices are uh, available, if there's tags available, then you get that tag in that order. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. They, you know, once your application, like you said, they they do a, a random number number generation, uh, and so you get you get the random numbers assigned to your application, and for those bonus points squared, you get that many numbers. But like you say, once your application is pulled. They go down your list of same mule deer hunts, and and if your first one is you know not available, second one's not available, third one is available, you would draw that permit. And so, and there actually is a, a strategy behind ordering, you know, hunts on your application. You, one thing that we we try and educate people on is order them in hardest to draw to easiest to draw. That way, you're not shooting yourself in the foot and listing. You know, say you were that lucky guy that got, you know, the second application drawn out of the pile of them. You, you wouldn't want to shoot yourself in the foot and not draw that 24 uh, late mule deer tag because you had it listed at the bottom of your application. You want to, you know, swing for the fence and list those hardest to draw, uh, you know, kind of dream hunts first. And then if you're wanting a tag, you can you can stagger them down according to the draw odds. And, and that way you just don't, like I say, you're not that lucky guy that just threw away an opportunity. So. 
Sure. So if you're staggering and putting quote unquote, you, you know, your your best hunts first, and and you know the best hunt first, your second best hunt second, and and so on. Uh, in other words, as they go through your five choices, um, you know, there. If if you were to put your worst hunt first, you would probably draw that, and you would never even have a chance at those better units. That's what you're saying, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, and, um, let, let's talk about like with the deer application, can you put in for archery one choice, muzzleloader, another choice, rifle, another choice, or d is it is in a specific species? Does it have to be all archery choices, all rifle choices? How does that work? No, you can stagger them. And so, you know, for my particular strategy, um, I want to hunt two or three units in the state of Nevada for deer. Uh, some that are close, you know, I live in Southern Utah, so I'm close to some of those Southern Nevada units. And so I will stagger them that way. You know, I'll do, you know, archery in, in unit 231 and muzzleloader in 231 and archery in unit 13 and archery in unit, uh, 221. And so, you know, and not, not necessarily in that order, but I'll mix and match weapons just to keep all five of my choices in those two or three units. So yeah, you can absolutely mix them up. Okay, and then uh, you can apply elk is the same way. Uh, is sheep the same way? Also, do you get five choices? And it is. Does anyone yeah. ever draw their fifth choice on sheep, or is it typically their first choice? You know, I I haven't broken down those stats. Um, I would I imagine they're when we pulled them overall, about fifty three percent of the the applications drew their first choice, and so there there's got to be some people drawing sheep tags as as a two through fifth choice. Um, it, you know, to be honest, it just comes down to you getting that lucky that lucky low number attached to your application. But it does it does make for some some very I don't know, I call them depressing draws when I look at, you know, a species like California bighorn sheep that you can draw, you can apply for, well, in 2017, you'll be able to apply for four, four units. And so, you know, you can put all four units in on your application for that species. And so, you know, you're, you're basically just swinging for the fence when it comes to a sheep, you know, a California bighorn. Whereas in Nevada, you've got, you know, for desert bighorn sheep, you've got a, a wide range of, of units that you can select from as a non-resident. So the, it gets a little more strategic in desert bighorns than it does in, in Californians. But, you know, so, I... So um, that, that brings up a question. Can you apply for desert in Nevada, desert sheep? Can you apply for Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep? And can you apply for California bighorn, all three? Or is your sheep application you have to mix the species within your five choices no you can as a non-resident you can you can apply for both um well you can apply for rockies because they're just not a permit available right now uh that the huntable populations of those just aren't aren't real great right now so there's not a non-resident tag okay uh, but so you can, in other words you can apply for five desert uh, sheep choices and then you can have a separate application for the California bighorn and have four, you said four choices there. The five choices. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's only four non-resident units. Yep. Okay. Okay. That, that's something I learned right there. I, I thought you had, uh, you know, you basically drew, you know, put in for sheep and you had to do desert or California within the five choices. Now you can, you can, you can list them, you can list them both. And, you know, it very rarely happens, but I, I have known some, some 
Nevada residents that have drawn both sheep tags in one year. So wow. I, there was there was a lady that drew it a couple of years ago that, uh, yeah, she drew a California tag and, or, and a desert tag in the same year. So um, Backing up just a little bit, you're talking about the draw. Um, for those going into the draw this year, um, what are you hearing about the forecast? You know, how has the moisture been? What, what type of year for this coming fall season do you think Nevada, you know, what, what's it going to be like this year? I think Nevada is going to have another stellar year. Um, you know, the the buzz around the industry right now is kind of the winter cre- winter kill with the harsh winters that, you know, some of those winter kill states like Colorado, Wyoming have. Nevada's fortunate enough, you know, they, they really don't have much winter kill. And so anytime you can get a real wet, hard winter, it benefits the state of Nevada. So far, we've had, you know, great spring, uh, great moisture year so far. Um, hopefully it doesn't dry up and drought out in you know, May, June, but I, I think Nevada's on track to have an, an incredible year again as far as moisture. You know, some of those southern, you know, some of the southern hot spots for mule deer, 24, 23, uh, 13, 2, 221, uh, those, are, those have had phenomenal moisture so far. So it's, it's turning into a great year to, to hunt Nevada. Interesting. Yeah, it, uh, all across the West, I, I mean, even in Colorado, where in some of the specific, you know, Gunnison Basin areas, we're potentially going to have some winter kill, and even in, you know, Western Wyoming and some of that. The other parts of Colorado that maybe didn't have so much that they're going to have winter kill, they could have an unbelievable year. So it's kind of, you know, pockety as far as, yes, there's some areas of winter kill. Um, but it's just something to point out. The rest of the state is probably going to be awesome antler growth because of the moisture. And there's like a fine line there where, you know, it gets so bad that, yes, you're going to have uh, mortality and have, you know, fawns and, and does and bucks dying or what have you. But then, you know, 70 miles over that, you know, they're able to winter and everything's just fine. And, you know, they're going to have great winter moisture saturation in the ground. And all of a sudden, you know, boom, a great antler growth year. Um, and it, it sounds like Nevada has gotten some pretty good moisture. And like you said, it is arid as, say, Nevada and um, Arizona are. Um, it can change quickly, but it's sure nice to kind of go into application time knowing that, yeah, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I you know I agree. It's with these desert states. Southern Utah falls into that same category. It's great to know that that we're you know we're we kind of got a jump start on the moisture. So those those heavy snows up on the tops of the mountains that'll trickle out and and it'll give us you know it'll give us good runoff clear into the the late spring. So okay, you've kind of told us about how the draw process works, um, and you know you've said that uh it i mean feasibly if if someone's applying for the first year i mean is it feasible that i mean they could draw a deer tag or an elk tag or is it more like you know honestly you know three four years under your belt and then you start kind of getting into where you can draw a tag no that's the great thing about in my opinion the great thing about the the process that nevada has is it gives everybody a chance you know the the it's kind of the best of both worlds it gives everyone a chance but it rewards those that you know apply for years and and pay money into the program but you always hear about people drawing that desert tag with zero points or or you know one or two points and so it's a great state to just be applying for um 
And yeah, are there any are there any non-resident or resident quotas? Meaning, are are certain amount of tags, like say in New Mexico or Arizona, where certain amount of tags are set aside for non-residents, certain uh, set of tags are you know set aside for residents? Is there anything like that in Nevada? Nevada separates them really before the drawn. So you know, and it it narrows down, you know, give or take a few percent, but it's typically right around ten percent of the total permits per species are given to non-residents but you it's not that you're in you know you know it's not an up to state like uh arizona or or some of the other states are they get you know non-residents in nevada are going to get their allocated tags and so it's not like you're in the same bucket as as resident non-resident both you've kind of got your your non-resident bucket and you're applying for those tags and then the residents have their bucket and they're applying for those tags so you know you know you know you're going to get x amount of tags every year Okay, interesting. Um, and then you talked a little bit about strategy, and you know, in each state, everybody has kind of a strategy. I have my strategies. Um, talk a little bit about how m maybe taking a look at Nevada, how strategies may differ, um, or recommendations that you might have for application strategies in Nevada. You know, Nevada is kind of a unique state, in my opinion, when it comes down to strategies. Your strategy will will change as you accrue points. Um, you know, there are some opportunities that, you know, we we were we were breaking down. We've got a, a good friend that has, I think he's got eight or nine points, and we were looking. He just wants to hunt deer in Nevada right now, and so his strategy was, tell me the units I can pull a tag from. And we went through. I actually jumped in the Insider product, plugged his points in. You know, mule deer, he's not worried about weapon class, you know, slid it over to, to nine points that he had. And it showed, you know, over 50 units that he had, you know, 50% or greater chance of drawing a permit. And so, you know, right now he's willing to burn those points. You know, if, if you're one of those guys that just wants to hunt and you just, you know, you, you don't really, you're not really concerned about trophy potential, that's a whole new strategy. You can just, you know, apply for those units that give a lot of permits um, you know, and in two or three years, you're going to be drawing tags every two or three years. Uh, there's some great early rifle opportunities, you know, early rifle mule deer opportunities that you can, you can draw as a non-resident every, every two or three, every two or three years. Uh, with elk, elk are, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little different. And I, I feel that they, they do a great job of managing elk in Nevada, but they are, they do have somewhat of a control on, on the number of permits. And so it's fairly limited and it's going to take you, you know, a few years to, to get into where you've really got a good odds of drawing. Uh, there again, I, I think your better chances are, are archery hunts. If you're willing to hunt, um, you know, I, I, when I think elk hunting, I think bugling bulls and, and hunting them in the rut and the majority of, uh, rifle hunts in, in the state of Nevada are late. They're, you know, October, November, December type hunts with the exception of, uh, unit 16. They did put a, an early rifle hunt in that non-residents can apply for it. That's during September. It flops, uh, every other year. And, and this year is the year that it has an early rifle. In my opinion, probably one of the funnest hunts as far as elk hunting goes in the state of Nevada. But yeah, the, the strategy comes down to, you know, are you wanting to trophy hunt it? My particular strategy is, you know, when I get a tag in Nevada, I want it to be in a primo unit that I know and I'm willing to wait, you know, multiple years for that particular tag. Okay, Brandon, um, let's let's dive straight into, let's start with mule deer, which I know mule deer are 
uh, near and dear to your heart. I know you're a mule deer fanatic. Um, let's go through deer and maybe break down uh, maybe some of the top units and then maybe give me some of what you would consider, you know, kind of mid-tier units and, and, and talk about each, each one of them specifically, if you will. Yeah, so, the, you know, the, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Nevada is known for, you know, Unit 24, which is, you know, 241, 242, um, you know, 231. Those are right there together in, you know, the southeast corner of Nevada, uh, just right here along the Utah border. And those are probably my top picks as far as, you know, best best trophy pot potential. Um, a close close unit in there is is... Uh, 131 through 134. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's probably the funnest hunt for mule deer. You can hunt that. You know, they, the the archery hunt in 131, I think it'd just be a phenomenal hunt. That's that's one that hits my application. Uh, those would probably be my top picks along with 22. Um, but to be, you know, and, and then you start talking seasons. One, one, one unit that doesn't get a, a ton of buzz is 081 up in the northern part of, of what, Nevada. What was it? It's 081. 081, okay. And it's kind of, it's it's northeast border uh, of Nevada, but the neat thing about it is they have, you know, super late season. So the archery hunt up there is November 10th, starts November 10th, goes to the 20th, and then they have a, a rifle hunt up there that goes December 11th to January 1st. And so you can hunt those winter bucks on the winter range, uh, that archery hunt, you can hunt them during the rut. And I think that's a unit, if you're willing to hunt, you know, in the freezing cold, that's a unit that that I think can, can produce that 180 plus buck every year. Um, going into kind of those middle, those middle units, that's, <laughs> Nevada's kind of unique in the fact that, you know, if you're just after that 170 type buck, 160, 170 type buck, I think you could just, you know, pick some units and, and go hunt them and you'll you'll find that deer. They've got such a, a phenomenal habitat that can hold deer. And then, you know, the, the division does a, a good job of, of managing deer. You know, they don't have any general seasons. They don't have any over-the-counter seasons. And so they're pretty selective on the number of deer they harvest. And they really do a good job. But some of those that, that I've had a good time in are uh, Unit 1. I call them Unit 16, the, the 161 through 164. And then I actually enjoy Unit 17 right next door to it. Uh, those are kind of down south out of Austin, Nevada, or north of Tonopah, uh, just kind of in the central part of the state. And one one thing I want to ask you, Brandon, um, and I've heard you say it, you, you talk about Unit 24, then you talk about Unit 16, and I hear a lot of the um, locals and a, a lot of the guys in the know, they're kind of talking slang, and they're saying Unit 24, <laughs> but in essence, it's really... 241 right well, yep it, so is it just they're shortening i i never understood why they were calling it 24 when it's really 241 or they're calling it 13 when it's really 131 so when when you apply for a tag you they nevada has what they call unit groups and so when when you hear a guy talk about unit 24 it includes all units that are 241 to 245 Okay. And so they, they just kind of preface it as, as saying unit 24. And unit 16 would be unit 161 through unit 164. And you can hunt, when you draw that permit, you can hunt any one of those units. Um, it, it, it really gives you a, a pretty broad area, you know, to spread out. And it, it helps with hunting pressure dissipating in, in a few of those. So, but yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me preface them. You know, that's, that's how I kind of grew up knowing them. 
I don't know. I, I grew up with, you know, a few Nevada residents that we'd hunt with here and there. And so I know them more as like 16 and 24 as, a, as opposed to 241, 242. So. Gotcha. Um, so within, within that, if you draw a unit 16, you get to hunt 161 through 164. Yep. Okay. And so middle tier units, you're talking unit 16. You're t- you also, I believe, said unit 17. Yep, and it's like I say, those are kind of right in the center of the state. Um, it's they can get somewhat remote, you know. If you you hunt some of those units, take a couple gas cans and and throw an extra spare tire in because you can get away you can get away from some people. So, and it's a lot of mule deer hunting in Nevada. Um, you know, pinion juniper type country, or is it a lot of real like desert? Because I know here in Arizona. You know, we have desert bucks. It's literally like hunting on the desert floor. And then you have, you know, grasslands and pinyon juniper. And then all the way up in, you know, up on the Kaibab where we've got ponderosa pines. And I think that's one thing that's unique about Nevada is the variety of terrain. I'm just curious how, you know, these real popular upper end units, uh, you know, the two, the 24, you know, 241 to 245, two thir- you know, the 23, 231 you know, 241, 131, 134, like what type of terrain is that? And and then is it any different than this middle tier terrain? M- meaning like in Arizona, I would say like the Arizona Strip is like that high desert, but it nowhere is, it's not even close to say the desert around Phoenix and, and West deserts where it's just totally different type of terrain. Yeah, I would say, you, you, I'd say the most deserty type stuff is going to be unit 24 and it gets into that. I wouldn't say it's your desert like down around Phoenix and Tucson. It's more of that Arizona strip type desert where you're going to have a mix of sage, uh, bitter brush, pinion juniper. Uh, and that really is the great thing about Nevada is it is so diverse. Take 231, for example. You can hunt that just barren desert down at the Valley Floor in 231. Or there's a huge band of pinion juniper that you can hunt and deer, you know, there's resident deer in there. Or you can get up on some of the, you know, Mount Wilson, Mount, you know, the White Rocks, and you get up into some pines and quakies. And so it, it's it got a huge diversity. Nevada, in my opinion, is probably one of the most diverse states out there. You take the Ruby Mountains, for example, you get up 11, 12,000 feet where mountain, you know, where the mountain goats live and you can hunt deer like you would in Colorado up there. And so, and on the flip side, up on the Rubies in, you know, in the lower foothills, you could hunt deer in the pinyon juniper during the summertime during the archery hunt. And so there's really a, a big diversity depending on which mountain range you're in. And some of those in the, in the central part of the state, uh, I'd say it's about the same. It doesn't have that real deserty like like 24 does but you definitely get into those rolling sage flats uh the valley floors are right around 4500 feet 5000 feet you get that that sage flat with a small band of uh, pinion juniper and then you get up into the mountain mahogany and and pines and some of those those mountain ranges that that run up in 16 and 17 so okay and then so you've talked about the middle tier units of 16 and 17 and then I hate to say lower tier, but are there just units that you say you could almost draw every year and, you know, here's a handful of units that, you know, within a, with a point or two, you know, it's, it's a, you could draw pretty much, uh, you know, consistently you know, that are, that are, that are, you know, you're going to see some deer and have chance to kill buck. You know, that's, that's the thing about Nevada is I, I don't feel like they're just horrible units in Nevada. I think any unit out there, 
you've got the potential to, to find that at least 170, 180 type buck. Uh, some of those others, you know, there's some down down around Hawthorne, you know, kind of in the Crook of Nevada, I would say that, you know, are, are less popular. I wouldn't really say that the, the potential is any worse. It's just it's so far away from everything that it doesn't get hunted much. And so, I, you know, if, if you're willing to dedicate to Nevada and, and put it as, you know, a, a top state in your your hunting strategy, yeah, there's some units that if you went and went and explored and figured out, you could hunt those every two or three years, um, depending on the different uh, weapon that you'd want to pick. With the rifle hunts, there are, you know, there are a few that you can you can pick up, I'd say, as a non-resident every five years. Uh, but when you get into those primitive weapons like archery and muzzleloader, you you know you could definitely go and work and find deer and and not really have any hunting pressure just because they're so remote and away from everybody. Gotcha. How do the deer season structure as far as archery hunts um, and then rifle hunts? And I, I know that a, a bunch of them are kind of just before the rut. Um, talk about the different season dates and and how those you know maybe different strategies of those season dates play into whether it's your first choice or your fifth choice yeah so and they've actually made some very small little tweaks um this year and so typically you know the archery hunts for deer are going to start around august 10th and run you know right around a 30-day season um so they go in into september uh, the muzzleloader hunts are typically in, in just after that. And then you get into the rifle seasons. And some units have what they call an early rifle. Starts the first part of October, goes to the end of, you know, the, the latter part of October. And then they have some late seasons that actually get into November a little bit. Um, and, you know, you, you think, like, Unit 231, for example, they extended the day, uh, the hunt dates, I, I believe, two days. And you wouldn't think that makes it, you know, a ton of difference but you know it, it'd be surprising in that particular unit when you talk you know end in the 28th or 29th and go into the 31st october you know that hunt gets better every day that it gets later uh, and so those extra two days could could make a big difference and so you know a lot of times you know 22 late ends on november 8th so you you know you get quite a bit of red activity come the 8th uh this year so that you know, they extended a, a few of those units just a couple of days, and, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to produce some, some incredible deer this year. That's great. Um, it, is, is there a waiting period in Nevada? So if you were to draw a tag, whether you harvest or not, is there any waiting period or can you immediately go in the next year and apply again for deer? For deer, there's no waiting period. Uh, they did change it for antelope and elk this year. For antelope, they changed... Uh, whether you're successful or not, once you draw a permit, there's a, a three-year waiting period. And then for elk, whether you're successful or not, if you draw a permit, you've got a, uh, a seven-year waiting period. So. That's interesting. Do um, you think that will potentially um, you know, get some of the point creep and, and you know, get through some more of the applicants by making that, uh, you know, making that change? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's a change for the better. Um, you know, in Nevada, they used to, it used to be dependent on whether you harvested or not. And so if you drew a bull tag and harvested a tag, they'd make you wait 10 years. And so the guys that harvest, they actually cut some years off, but the guys that didn't harvest, they've added a, a bunch of years that they have to wait. And I, I really do think it'll, it'll affect the, the points creep somewhat, uh, in a positive way. 
Okay, good. Um, that's good info. Um, let's jump over to Elk and talk about Elk in Nevada and go through like we did, you know, the top tier units and then some of the middle tier uh, units. Uh, for for Elk, the top tier, in, in my opinion, are going to be I'll see there again. I'm an archery hunter, so I, I list the archery seasons, and I'd I'd say 111 to 115. Uh, so so you know unit 11. I think that's probably your best hunt in the state. Uh, closely followed by 220 221 uh, to 223 unit 22. Uh, I think those those two unit groups are 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 just going to be the the funnest hunts. You know you're going to be in an elk every day. You're going to see a ton of animals. Uh, have a good time. 231 is is a unit I think is kind of it's, it's kind of a love-hate when it comes to elk. Uh, holds incredible bulls, uh, holds a good number of bulls, but it, they can be tough to hunt. It's, you know, a lot of times during the rut, those bulls will pull down into the pinion junipers, and it's just, you know, kind of a frustrating hunt. But I would list it up there as far as archery hunts go. Uh, as far as the the rifle hunts, I think you, you can't go wrong with that unit 16. So 161 through 164, 170. It includes 17 as well. Uh, the majority of the elk are going to be found in 16. Uh, but to be able to hunt September 17th with a rifle, um, I, I just think that would be incredible in a state like Nevada. And it's the only one available to non-residents uh, that's early. Uh, after that, I, I think, you know, you, you get into rifle hunts that are late. I think 111 and 115, again, those bulls can pull down out of the high country and, and maybe make them a little more accessible. Uh, and the the trophy. What kind of season dates you talk about? Late rifle. Um, those are in November, right? Yeah. So the what they call the early rifle in one eleven actually starts November sixth through the twentieth, and then the late rifle goes November twenty first to December fourth. And so you're hunting them Thanksgiving time. Uh, it, it can be snow, cold. Um, some of the units you can run into access issues if you get you, you know if you get a snowy snowy winter and and you start you know snow drifts in Nevada like crazy so just be prepared that way you know it's it, it can be bitter cold but you know you're hunting those those bulls post rut uh, they typically are a little bit more habitual you know they're going to be on those burn off south facing slopes uh, and just kind of hunkering down trying to recover from the rut so it can be a good time to hunt them Okay, and the archery season, um, what are the dates for the, you know, the, the early season or the bugling season uh, during hunting with a bow? Um, do they give you premium dates or is it kind of like Utah where it's, you know, they, they, the bulls just start get going and then they, that season shuts off? You know, I, I think it's, it's, they're more like Utah. Um, they start on August 25th and go to September 16th. You do, in, it seems like in the state of Nevada that, you know, that first week of September, they're typically getting going in the rut, though. Um, whereas in Utah, you know, they really don't get cranked until the, the middle of, of September. And so I really feel like you do get pretty good rut action with the dates that they have. Uh, for some reason that I don't I don't know if it's it's elevation or temperature or, you know, a lot of people say it's off a of moon phase. But for some reason, it seems like Nevada, you know, some of those units, they rut a little bit earlier than, than Utah does. So. And with decent moisture um, that we've had in Nevada, if, if things just kind of hold up, uh, antler growth, you know, elk definitely get affected by by moisture. Um, could be a pretty good year, huh? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great year for bulls in, in Nevada. Uh, the only thing that you, you've got to keep an eye on is that, that you know, it's a, it's a desert state. They do tend to drought out. 
you know, in that, that last phase of the horn growth. But I think this year, with the amount of feed that's going to be available from this spring moisture, and, and I mean, shoot, we're already into into April, and we've had good rains, we've had good snow. I, I think it's going to be incredible for bulls. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, sheep. I know you had talked a little bit about it before, um, but go through some of the units for sheep and that are available for non-residents. So for sheep, uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's dive into to uh, deserts, um, just because that's where the the majority of the opportunity is for non-residents. And and in my opinion, uh, I I know you'll probably argue with it and say that Arizona is the king for deserts, but you know I'm I'm really kind of partial to Nevada. They give you know they, there's right around 20 units that you can apply for, and and they give out you know a lot of non-resident desert bighorn sheep tags. And they, and they produce great, you know, great bighorns. Um, you know, everybody's going to know about the Muddy Mountains, uh, you know, the Black Mountains, the McCullas. You know, they've all produced that 100, that mid-170 ram or 180 type ram. And so those those would be my top units. Um, but a lot of those, like you've got the the Spring Mountains, so unit 262, you know, it's, it's another top-tier unit that, that's going to produce, you know, that, that 170 type ram. Uh, the um, can can you back up and tell me the Muddy Mountains, the McCullas? Can you tell me the actual unit numbers? Yeah, the Muddy Mountain is two sixty eight. Um, okay. And then the McCullas is going to be two sixty three. I'd throw Black Mountain on there two sixty seven. Uh, you know they produced, you know, a, a near one hundred and seventy inch ram off there last year, uh, and and they've produced multiple one hundred seventy inch rams off there. You know, in the last decade, so. Uh, those, those. What would you say out of those? I mean, if you just had to say that that's where I'm going desert sheep hunting, would you say it'd be the muddies, or what would you pick as your favorite? Yeah, I would probably say the muddies, uh, just for the fact that it holds a ton of sheep. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, seems like a you know they they really haven't been affected by much die off. You know, they 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 say they're d- disease free, and so it just puts a lot of things in your favor when when you start you know, needing to build that upper age class to, to produce a big ram. Uh, and it's got a track record, you know, it's produced multiple 180 inch rams. And then you talked about unit 262. And that's the, you know, the Spring Mountain or, or Bird Springs range. Uh, it produced 175 inch ram uh, last year. And it, you know, it, I, I think it's, it's a great, it's a great unit as well. Okay, and then are there some mid-tier units that you would say maybe the odds and such are, are better? Yeah, the odds aren't aren't great, but there are definitely a handful of units out there uh, that have better odds than, say, the Muddy Mountains. Uh, 181, uh, Spring Mountain Range, Slate Mountain, it's, it's a lot more physical hunt, uh, so you're going to have to work for those. And, you know, I, I know it's close to home, but I really like the Mormon Mountains. Uh, so 242, two, it's 271 is the main unit group. They're allowing you to hunt two, 242 now, um, just for some of those migrating sheep that get up into that country. But And some of those sheep, um, is that the range right there where they cross kind of back and forth there in Arizona? Yeah, so that's the one right there by the, what they call the gorge. They're that little fort. St. George. Yep. Yeah. And so like I say, it's close to home and I've spent some time on there, but I really like, I really like that range and they produce some, some good rams you know in the past from from that unit so okay and then you know i 
my strategy for for deserts have has changed um especially for the state of nevada i just want to tag and so I, that's what i've done is i've got on to our draw odds on go hunt and actually found you know the five units that give me the absolute best chance of drawing a permit in my opinion any desert ram is is a trophy uh i just want a permit to be able to hunt them and so you know and i'm probably only going to draw one in my lifetime out of all the states that offer them and so i really go on there and just say you know what what five units have the best odds of drawing and that's how i structure my app in this state and so it's it's been nice to be able to narrow that down uh using our product and and not necessarily going after the top trophy producing units in in the state yeah i mean because a lot of a lot of times you can be chasing units in the other state that you'll never draw like you could put in for your whole life and never draw and i think the older I get, the more I think I need to maybe adapt my strategy a little bit to maybe don't even apply for the top three. You know, maybe maybe throw a fourth or fifth, you know, quality type unit as my first choice and then maybe even taper on down because, uh, you know, it, it's easy to sit there to say, oh, I just want to kill a giant ram. Um, but you also look that you may literally apply your whole life and never draw a tag too. Yeah, I've got a good friend that's been a non-resident and she, he's been applying for 22 years in the state of Nevada. And just, it, it makes him so frustrated when he pulls reports and looks at it. And there's guys at eight points and 12 points to draw. And, you know, it, but I had a discussion with him and I asked him, you know, well, what units are you applying for? And it's the five hardest units to, to draw. And I was, you know, and that's, we, we had a pretty good discussion on whether he just wanted to try and get a sheep tag or if when he did, if he did get a sheep tag, he'd be hunting some of the best units. And, and he's kind of adapted that strategy that you were saying, you know, that first choice, he kind of kind of swings for the fence. And then he put some pretty reasonable choices on on his, his last four choices. Let's talk about uh, California bighorns in uh, Nevada. Uh, out of the four units that, that you can hunt. So the four units for non-resident that can hunt Californians is unit 012, uh, 032, 034, and 035 and those are kind of all up there around you know north of reno in that northwest corner of of the state uh, i would put you know 035 is new this year to non-residents and I'm, I'm i'm excited to see what that produces for non-residents and, and what they'll be able to pull but i would really put i'd it'd be a toss-up between 032 and 034 I'd say the best trophy potential is probably going to come from 032. Uh, close second with 034. But those, you know, I for guys that are looking to, to to get a, you know, what's classified a Rocky, I think that's a great opportunity and a must apply for for, for the state of Nevada is the Californians. Okay. Um, and just to be clear, on the online application, I can apply as a non-resident as long as I have the license. I can apply for deserts, and I can apply for California bighorn. Yep, you can apply for okay. both species. That's and a great thing. Um, from what I understand, there's a new change this year on mountain goats. Um, talking about mountain goats in Nevada, what is that change? Yeah, so for the first time since. I believe 2012 non-residents will be able to apply for mountain goats in the Ruby Mountains. So that's, you know, it's an opportunity that was lost. Uh, something happened to the population. They had to die off. Uh, it seemed to be rebounded. And, and there's, 
you know, they're putting enough permits on there now that non-residents will be able to apply for it. So I, and, and the, the nice thing that Nevada did is if, you know, if somebody out there has mountain goat tags in the state of Nevada, say you were applying back, back before they shut that down, they reinstate those points as well. So if you have mountain goat tag or mountain goat points in Nevada, you'll be going into the draw this year, uh, with that many points. And to be honest, you know, for another 10 bucks, if you're going to be applying for deer and elk or, or, you know, sheep for another 10 bucks, you might as well throw your, your name in the hat and, and try and draw that tag. If, if it's a species that you ever want to hunt. So for sure. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask you is a general question about Nevada with five choices. Uh, there, there's other products out there that try and uh, give draw odds and what have you, but Go Hunt prides themselves. The Insider Program inside or uh, 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 promotes them themselves and 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 says that their odds are more accurate. Can you talk a little bit about how um, being able to get odds for choices one through five? Why that's important and why the Insider odds are better. Yeah, so the, the reports that the state has published in the past and continues to publish freely to the public just include a number of applicants as a first choice. And so, you know, to, to really see the full demand or to really see how many people are truly applying for a hunt or a season, you need to see, you know, how many times that season hits an application at, at all five choices, especially how the draw works and how they consider all five choices. So what we did is... is we put in a ton of work and we worked pretty close with the Nevada Division of Wildlife and we got a report that has, you know, all, all five choices. So we have the total number of applicants at every point level, at every application choice level. So we, we can truly tell you, you know, there were X number of people that applied for this hunt, not just, you know, there were X number of people that applied as a first choice for this hunt. And what it really does is show you that there are a lot of those, you know, some of those units that we consider a second tier or a, you know, not not really a trophy demand unit. They're never structured, or or they they're very seldom put as someone's first choice, but it, they fall pretty regularly as somebody's third and fourth or fifth choice. And so when when you look at everyone's first choice and you think, well, shoot, I should have like a one in two chance of drawing this with two points. In all reality, you look at it and say, well, no, there were fifteen other fifteen hundred other people that applied for that as a choice two through three. And so it's it really shows you that. You know, sometimes your odds have been, you've been misled with, with other people's odds and, and it shows you the true demand for, for each unit, each season, and it allows you to really break down and get an accurate odds on, on what's going on with the state of Nevada. Well, and it could mean drawing a tag or not getting a tag because of, of false odds. If, you know, you have to have accurate odds in order to make good decisions, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when, when you're basing, when you're basing your, your, application strategy on just everyone's first choice you know it it can really be misleading so it, it really does help it really opened my eyes when we got the data and started crunching it you know it really opened my eyes eyes as to you know what the odds really are and and it's funny we've had some pretty good feedback is that you know people finally understand why they haven't been drawing tags when they look at you know look at our odds and it's it's been fun to see the feedback for sure. Um, let's talk about uh, antelope real fast. Uh, what are the opportunities for antelope in Nevada? Uh, the, I, as far as trophy, I think I think Nevada is one of the underrated 
you know, kind of the hidden gem states when it comes to, to antelope. Uh, they produced, you know, a number of 80-inch goats. They, they, you know, there again, it's a desert. It's a desert state that the moisture this year, you know, antelope are packing on horns right now. And so I think they're going to have another stellar year this coming year for antelope. Uh, and there's quite a bit of opportunity out there for non-residents. They don't allow you to hunt the muzzleloader season. So you've got the archery or rifle season for non-residents. Uh, typically, you know, that northwest corner is, has been kind of the hot spot in Nevada for, for big trophy antelope. But to be honest, you know, a couple of guys here in the office have hunted right around, you know, the central part of the state. And they, they've, they've harvested 80-inch goats. Um, you know, I, I'd say every unit in the state has the potential to, to meet that 75 to 80 if you hunt hard for them. Uh, some of the better units, I'd say, are, are 021, 022. Uh, 041, 042, um, 067, 068, you know, in, in the north central part of the state. Those are just some of the top units that I think, you know, are, are going to produce the best best trophy potential. But I think you'd have a fun hunt, uh, you know, either any route you went in the state of Nevada, I think you'd have a good time hunting antelope. I'm, I'm not a huge antelope guy, but I've the more I'm around people that hunt them, the more I, I've got the itch to do it. And you know, if you draw one of those early archery tags, they, they start August 1st, and so you can go hunt. You know, it's typically drier, not get a ton of moisture that time of year, and so you can go hunt water holes and, and you know, ground blind hunting and, and different strategies with bow and arrow and, and do fairly well. So, how uh, Shifting gears a little bit here, how was your hunting season last year? I had a... a your personal... I, I had a great hunt. I had a great season. Um I drew, I cashed in, I spent most of my hunting season in my home state of Utah. I drew a, a limited entry archery elk tag uh, last year in an, in an area that I grew up in the central part of the state and hunted really hard for the entire hunt. I think I spent 21, 20 or 21 days on the unit uh, and I ended up shooting a big mule deer instead. So, <laughs> so no, it's, it's a, it's a tag. It's a, it's an archery tag as a resident. I can pretty much draw that deer tag every year. And we, we found, we were hunting a bull kind of in the low country, you know, pinion junipers and, and my brother actually glassed up a group of bachelor bucks and two of the bucks in there. We figured it'd, it'd break that 190 mark. And so we, we focused a little harder and it was early, you know, it was the first week of that, that archery elk hunt. So the elk went bugling they were still in summer mode and it was just a tough time for us to get on a bull. And so we actually got into this buck. I bumped him twice that same day. He'd bed. It was just flat, super flat, pinion juniper with a little bit of mixed oak brush in there. And so I, we'd try and get in on his bed, and, and we finally made it work and, and got an arrow into uh, – he, he was he's my best buck to date. Um, and so I, I hunted that for 21 days, and then I went over to Colorado on a third season with, the, with Chris from the office here, and we both shot – you know, in my opinion, phenomenal deer. We both killed deer in, in the mid 180s on a on a third season hunt that was felt more like, you know, an early archery hunt. It was I think the day I killed mine it was 73 degrees on a third season in November in Colorado. So it was definitely a uh, warm fall season in Colorado last year. Um, 
it's it would it's just like a mule deer nut to have an elk tag in his pocket and he comes out with a mule deer that's just a perfect story that <laughs> sums sums it up right there yeah well, one tag i waited 17 years for and the other tag i can drive every year and i end up punching the tag that i can drive every year so that's good stuff um you you said you've got some hunts in front of you this year. Any any one in particular that you're like really stoked about? You know, it's odd. I'm I, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a mule deer nut, but I found some opportunities on our product for a first rifle elk season in Colorado. That I've I've hunted deer. I've archery hunted deer in these units in the high country, and so I'm excited to go try something new. And I've actually got a like I say a first season rifle tag that I can draw as a second choice. And I'm I'm gonna it's five day season I'm gonna go give it my hardest and and see if I can I can harvest a bull, uh, but other than that you know I, I really like exploring new country so I'm looking into Idaho for for an archery elk hunt uh, and then probably the hunt I look forward to every year the most is just my home state archery hunt. Uh, my wife hunts bow hunts as much as I do and so that's a hunt that I set aside every year and I spend it with her and we. We give it a you know a solid ten days, and we both just bow hunt mule deer and and have a ball doing it. So that's awesome. What's it like to have a wife that's as passionate about it as you are? I I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't ever have that argument on whether a deer head's going in the front room or you know I I never have to justify why I need a new set of camouflage or a new backpack or new optics or you know it's it, the only downside is is when I buy something I have to buy two of it. And so when we go get new bows, it's not just buying one bow, it's buying two bows or, you know, I, I'm lucky that, that, uh, she shares the passion. So I, I really like it. Um, you know, some people might get, get frustrated with it, but I absolutely have a ball. So That's awesome. Well, it's, um, it's been awesome talking to you about Nevada. Uh, is there anything that you think we didn't cover that you that you want to point out on Nevada? Uh, I just there was one thing that just came in uh, today. Actually, we, me and Brady were just talking about it this morning. That in an effort to try and get people to apply early for Nevada, Endow or the, the Division of Wildlife is going to be giving away a three hundred dollar Cabela's gift card uh, for those people that submit their application early so if you get your application in by friday april 14th by midnight you get put into a drawing to win a 300 cabela's gift card so that's just something new that that popped up today uh so if if you've already got your application in you're in that drawing if not you know try and get it in by the 14th so and that that's one thing that that nevada has had i would recommend not procrastinating not waiting to the last day to apply uh, their system has a tendency to crash so that's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, trying to entice the public to, to put in early probably helps relieve some of their their issues that they've got. So um, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing sharing with us and, uh, you know, bringing your knowledge to the table. And uh, it's been great hearing about uh, some of your hunts. And I mean, you love bow hunting, correct? That's yep. like your your true passion is bow hunting yep. over rifle hunting. Yeah, I I would pick up a bow and arrow over a rifle any day. I'm to be honest, I'll I'll do them all. Uh, I I I love the aspect of uh, and the challenge that each weapon gives you. So I muzzleloader hunt, I I rifle hunt, but my passion is bow hunting. So. So down there in the go hunt office, you got you and Trail and Brady, three psycho archers and it's crazy the the different methodology that we all use like our setups are so vastly different that 
it's, it's crazy. It's, it's interesting. We've got some of those that are new to bow hunting and they're asking for recommendations and they'll go to trail and he'll give one and he'll go to Brady and he'll give a completely different one. And they'll ask me and it's even more different than the two of theirs. And so it's, it, it's, <laughs> I think that would make a good podcast one day and have you guys uh, tell your different, uh, strategies and your different setups of, of how you like to do it. Um, I think that would be a good contrast. It, it would be fun. It, it, it'd make for a good debate. So Sounds good, bud. Well, um, God bless, and thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge. And um, always enjoy seeing your stuff there at Go Hunt, and uh, keep up the good work as the uh, head of research, and uh, keep kicking out those great uh, uh, strategy articles for the insider members. And um, just uh, yeah, you guys are you guys are doing a great job bringing great info down there. Thanks. It's it's been a pleasure being on here, Jay. All right. Sounds good. Take care, buddy. Bye.